Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. I am Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq journalism. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. The guidelines for the environmental impact study of the Valentine Gold Mine have just been released. The guidelines are the marching orders for the mine developer. One of the items that Marathon Gold Corporation will have to report on is impact on the caribou herd, on whose territory the development would take place. The herd is one of four on the island, but it is the least studied of the four, perhaps because of its remote location. But we do have some general information. According to a provincial government report, the caribou population declined 60% in a single decade. The arrival of coyote in so-called Newfoundland is a major factor in the decline. But the report also notes that caribou need large, interconnected landscapes to survive. Snow machines and ATVs cause severe disruption to caribou, the report says. According to the project overview, the Valentine Gold Mine would operate 24-7 for 12 straight years. There would be blasting. How would all that impact on caribou? Those are some of the questions that Marathon Gold Corporation will have to answer in the environmental impact study. Our guest on the program this week is Melanie Smith of the Canadian Environmental Assessment Agency in Halifax. Melanie Smith is team lead on the environmental review process, which includes public and Indigenous participation at each stage. I asked Melanie Smith about the process and about funding for public and Indigenous participation. You were the team lead at the agency regional office in Halifax, and I assume that you will have overall responsibility for the environmental review. I do. There are there are multiple team leads in the Atlantic region, and I'm the team lead for the group that takes care of most of the mining projects that we find in the Atlantic provinces. Right. And do you have staff in Newfoundland also, or will it, everything be run through the Halifax office? We do have a satellite office in Newfoundland. It's a relatively new office, so uh, staff in that office have been supporting the review to date on this project, and we'll see over time how um, how everything evolves and how involved they'll be going forward. So right. it could be a run out of Halifax with support from Newfoundland, or it may transition to Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mining in Newfoundland now, so I guess uh, over time it may be that uh, your office will... Uh be spent, we'll have more involvement in, in Newfoundland as time as time unfolds. Let's give listeners uh, a sense of how the process works. You're uh, currently accepting written submissions until June 30th, 30th from the public and Indigenous groups regarding Valentine, uh, the Valentine Gold Project. What are you, this is step two of four, so what are you trying to, term, to uh, determine at this step, step two? So step two is the comment period that is on the draft environmental impact statement guidelines. So those guidelines are really the agency's instructions to the proponent on what we expect from them when they complete their studies so that they have a complete submission for their environmental impact statement. So we're really looking at what aspects of the environment may be affected by the project and what should be examined during the environmental assessment. So comments related to if all of the elements 
uh, are captured or if members of the public or Indigenous communities feel like some aspects aren't captured, then we are encouraging them to submit those com those comments to us. And then at the end of the comment period, which ends on June 30th, we'll be collecting all of the comments and we'll be looking to finalize the guidelines and they will be posted on the Canadian Environmental Assessment Registry website and provided to the proponent. Right. So at this stage, uh, what you're really looking for is input from people on whether they think the guidelines that you're giving the proponent cover everything. So it may be that people will say no, you haven't included this, and this should be in the guidelines, and it's not. Exactly. So you're less, you're less. Um, it's less about the merits of the uh, of the project than about your about what the hoops the proponent should have to go through uh, at this uh, as the review begins. Yes, Glenn, the, the best opportunity for comments regarding the nature or extent of environmental effects or how adequately people think that the mitigation addresses those effects as proposed by the proponent are really valuable in the comment period number three. Mm -hmm. And that comment period happens after the proponent has gone and they've completed their studies to support the environmental assessment, and then they've provided the agency with a complete environmental impact statement. And once the agency has made that determination, then, a, then that third public comment period occurs. And that's the, the time that we're really looking for those more in-depth around the substance of the environmental assessment, um, because that helps us complete our analysis and ask further questions as necessary to the proponent. Right. Okay. So at um, at this stage two then you're looking for input on uh, on these um on your guidelines and the deadline is uh, june 30 and um so when uh, you know i know it's not possible to give a, a sort of precise time but what is the typical time period between um this uh, deadline for submissions and uh, and stage uh, and stage 3 so we look to finalize the draft guidelines as quickly as we can, depending on the volume of comments that we receive during the public comment period number two, when stage three starts really determines on how long the proponent takes to complete all the studies to support their environmental impact statement. So, you know, typically it may take a year for a proponent to do that. Uh, sometimes it's, it's sooner, sometimes it takes a little longer, but that is really dependent on the project and the proponent and at what stage they're at with their studies. Right. So basically, um, after stage two, the um, proponent uh, knows what it has, the nature of the research it has to do. And, uh, you know, I guess it will hire people and go out and um, do studies of caribou and uh, uh, all the other things in the environment. Um, and then uh, out of that, out of that, they will provide a an environmental impact study for review by by the agency and the public too i guess uh, what um, what happens to that uh, to their report uh, once they have a complete so once it's complete, we post it onto the Canadian Environmental Assessment Registry. So it'll be available online and we'll advertise and promote that there's a public comment period around, um, around the project. We also complete a technical review. So the agency coordinates a technical review with federal experts. So typically federal experts 
um, that feed into that process include Environment and Climate Change Canada, Fisheries and Oceans Canada, Transport Canada, Health Canada, um, whichever federal departments have some expertise to contribute to the process. So we do a technical review as well as a public comment period and look for comments from Indigenous communities. And then when we have all of the comments together, the agency um, will seek additional information from the proponent if necessary. So we may have additional questions to ask the proponent about their studies. And if that happens, those questions are also posted online so that anyone is able to see the questions that the agency is asking of the proponent after the submission of their environmental impact statement. Mm -hmm. And then the proponent will provide responses to those questions. Mm -hmm. So when you say a technical review that uh, you uh, would do and you'll uh, have some consultation with the other, with some other departments, you are making sure that the proponent has covered all the bases in its um, in its environmental impact study, you, you might say, oh, you didn't, uh, you didn't deal with the caribou or you didn't deal with this aspect, uh, we need to know more. Is that, is that the objective of the technical review? Exactly. We're really looking to those uh, federal departments that have particular expertise in the areas that we're looking at in the assessment and really relying on their experience to uh, determine the adequacy of the work that the proponent has done or if there are deficiencies or additional questions to be answered. So they're really doing a scientific review of those aspects. Then it's possible then you might you might ask the proponent for more information based on I guess based on that technical review and whatever you get from uh, from the public and indigenous groups. Yes, exactly. Um, right. So that's the end of stage three. Um, and then what happens after that? So once the agency is satisfied that we've received answers to questions that we believe um, are necessary for us to complete our analysis and form a, a conclusion about the project, then the agency authors what's called a draft environmental assessment report. And that report really goes through the, anal the agency's analysis and conclusions and, uh, you know, discusses some of the mitigation that may be applied to a project and um, the conclusions around the significance for those potential effects. And that report will also be posted on the Canadian Environmental Assessment Registry, and there will be um, advertising out to the public to let the public and Indigenous communities know that there is a fourth opportunity to provide comment on the project. So that's really the opportunity for everyone to see what the agency's analysis of the project is. And if there are any questions or comments regarding the agency's analysis, then that is the opportunity to provide those comments. At these at these various stages, like uh, in this one here, uh, submissions uh, due by June 30. Will we will the submissions be public? Will we be able will we be able to see who has written in and what they've uh, what they've said? Anything that is submitted to the agency um, in regards to a project forms part of the public record. However those comments aren't proactively posted on the Canadian Environmental Assessment Registry. Right. They're part, so how, how does that work then? They're part of the public record, uh, but they're not posted. How would, how would people see them? So comments are available upon request to the agency. Um, if, and that isn't uncommon for, for people to request the, the nature of the comments that were submitted during public comment periods, but those particular comments aren't, aren't posted on the registry. Right. 
Okay, so let's talk about uh, how the how the public and indigenous groups can be involved. Um, is there intervener funding available in the process you'll be using here? So I'm not the subject matter expert on participant funding, but I can give you certainly um, a brief and high-level overview. The sure. agency does provide uh, participant funding to um, to individuals or um, to not-for-profit organizations or indigenous groups, and it's it's limited financial assistance and. That the intent behind that is to help support their participation at key stages of the environmental assessment. There is an application process um, for participant funding that has not been announced um, for this particular project um, and will be announced at a later date. I see. So, and, and will that be uh, announced on the agency website? Uh, it will be announced on, um, on the agency's website also, if you go to the Canadian Environmental Assessment Registry, and there's a keyword search, if you searched the word Valentine or reference number 80169, then that is the page for this particular project. As well, um, you can also follow the agency on Twitter, and uh, announcements are made on Twitter, and the handle is at CEAA underscore ACEE. Uh, we're at the we're in stage two now. At at, at what point typically is that um, announcement made about intervener funding? It typically occurs before the submission of the environmental impact statement um, to allow the opportunity to be prepared for the submission of the environmental impact statement. I see. So while the proponent is out there uh, doing its environmental. Uh, doing its research for its the statement that it has to submit, uh, the public and indigenous groups can be out there also doing their own research parallel to the proponent. Would that be the objective of this? Would that be the timeline for this uh, funding? It does vary from project to project. What, you know when that announcement is made, but it, it is typically made in advance of the environmental impact statement submission to allow uh, groups and individuals to be able to comment on the environmental impact statement once it is submitted. I guess the bottom line is we should stay tuned uh, for that announcement so people can get um, geared up. Now let me, um, let me ask you about um, the difference between uh, public participation and Indigenous participation because in your guidelines you distinguish between uh, the two and um, and the special obligation that a proponent has to uh, to reach out to indigenous groups and what what are you looking for there uh, in terms of that uh, those dealings between proponent and indigenous groups well certainly information in the draft environmental impact statement guidelines uh, directs the proponent to some of our expectations around um, engaging with indigenous groups and it really um, you know it's it stems in some ways from provisions in our act and and how environmental effects are defined so under section 5 of the Canadian Environmental Assessment Act 2012 um, for the purposes of the act environmental effects include um, potential effects to Indigenous peoples as it relates to health and socioeconomic conditions, physical and cultural heritage, the current use of the lands, and any structure, site, or thing that may have an archaeological uh, significance. So consideration of those aspects in an environmental assessment is a requirement of our act. Mm -hmm. And is a proponent expected to find out about those uh, 
for example, archaeological considerations uh, from uh, talking to the indigenous group, or are they expected to proactively uh, uh, do research to see if they uh, if those factors are present, uh, independent of any thing they might be told by an indigenous group? I think we would recommend that the best practice would be to complete studies, but also be engaging. Um, with Indigenous groups, you know, or or other resources that may be able to feed information into making um, a characterization and assessment and a conclusion about the potential for effects in those areas. Okay, um, right. So we're at uh, at stage two, and um, this sounds like a an involved uh, process. So it doesn't sound like uh, we will get to uh, stage three or stage four for some time. So. Um, you know, I realize that every every review is different. Uh, what kind of timelines are we looking at? Uh, would you expect it would be, you know, a year from the guidelines to uh, submission of the environmental impact statement by the proponent or longer or shorter? Approximately a year is a is a common timeline that we see here at the agency, but it, it is definitely project specific. This project covers um, about uh, 200 square, square kilometers, so I suppose that in and of itself, just because of the the land area involved, would make it a um, more difficult task than one that covered a smaller territory. Certainly size and scale can affect how long it may take to, to complete studies. You know, land access can affect how long it may take to complete studies. And sometimes the proponent has advanced work early on, and sometimes they're just at the beginning stages. So, again, it really is dependent project by project. Melanie Smith, team lead at the Halifax office of the Canadian Environmental Assessment Agency. That's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, and CHMR. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron. Visit patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time. <laughs>